Jeremiah 28. I want you to notice again this morning, verse 15, you'll notice that the true prophet of God, who's Jeremiah, he sort of wipes the floor, if you will, with a false prophet by the name of Hananiah. Verse 15, then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust and lie. Now think about that last statement for a moment. Would you trusting, he says, in a lie? I mean, folks, that sounds dangerous, right? It sounds destructive. We've noted on Wednesday nights in our study just how destructive it was for one couple to trust in a lie. And yet what Jeremiah says is this people, the entire nation, was trusting in a lie. And precisely, precisely because the nation's approved truth teller told them that lie. What does verse 15 say? Look at it again. Then said the prophet Jeremiah and Hananiah the prophet, Hear not Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. You see, folks, he's called Hananiah, the verse part, Hananiah the prophet. Not Hananiah the devil. Not Hananiah the cult leader. Not Hananiah the witch doctor. Hananiah took the title of prophet. And he was a prophet who made the people trust in a lie it kind of reminds me of the word journalist or reporter right or and unfortunately these days the word scientist or professor or preacher pastor you shouldn't lump professors and scientists with false prophets really do you remember when the cdc told us to quote follow the science for two years That exact same CDC just published advice for men who have transitioned and they want to, quote, chest feed their uh, adopted little infants. Just take this this hormone drug, dompaparadone, and a man can mimic what God only created a woman to do. The scientists at the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, just published these words. Healthcare providers should be familiar with the emotional and social aspects of gender transition to provide optimal care by facilitating nursing. Folks, that's not science. That's actually crazy. It's dangerous for the baby. Why doesn't the CDC and the WHO follow the science? Well, in our text this morning, the king may have said, follow the prophets. But just because you have a title doesn't mean you tell the truth. Thankfully, then and now, there is a remedy for all of this. It is God's remedy. It is given by God as a foolproof protection for the people of God anytime they are surrounded by darkness. And so I hope you listen very carefully this morning. I want to speak on the subject, follow the truth. Follow the truth. Father, please help us to have our hearts and our minds, our thoughts, our ways, readjusted and directed this morning by you and by your word. We need to hear from you today, and I pray we will, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. There are three things this morning I want us to consider in today's text, and especially in light of the rapid changes in this world regarding information and news, counsel, direction, I'm sure you have noticed in the headlines lately the writer's strike out in Hollywood. 
And of course, the reason why they are on strike is that they see the the AI handwriting on the wall in Hollywood and elsewhere. Studios are looking at artificial intelligence and realizing that they can make much cheaper films and television shows without union wages for writers. Google announced this week that it may use their newest AI tool for all of its news content, all the Google News. And then it's encouraging other news content, the Washington Post, the Times, the Wall Street Journal, all of print media to join with them and use the same tool, which eventually they will. Most sports articles now are already generated by AI. It's just scores and stats and names after all. And by the way, guess what Google their new, uh, new AI, guess what they called it, what they titled it? It's called Genesis. Well, it's the beginning of the end, that's for sure. And not because of tech. Don't misunderstand. There is nothing wrong with technology. That screen is technology. This microphone is technology. The speakers you hear right now, technology. That live stream back there some of you are watching by, that's all technology. My notes use technology right here. Although I don't trust it 100%. One of these days I'm going to try to turn the page and it'll say, I'm afraid I can't do that, Jim. <laughs> so I do have a contingency. I have old parchment and my hieroglyphics written down just in case it does do that. So, you know, that's not the issue. The danger, the problem is not the microphone, is not the speakers or the camera. The danger, beloved, is what comes through the microphone and what comes through the speakers. You know, when Jesus went out on a little boat and he launched himself off a few feet from the shore, that was by design. He was addressing a multitude of people. If you ever sit down, you ever sit down on the edge of a quiet lake and you can hear people far away in their conversations. That's physics. And Jesus used it. In fact, he created it. He designed it. So there wasn't the fact that the sound is amplified from the bottom of a hill off of that water and literally rises up with the rising warm air. That's not it. It wasn't the method or the medium, but it was the message. It was the words themselves that mattered. And the problem with tech and AI, in as much as there is a problem, of course, isn't the words that they're quickly put together. That's actually pretty cool. It's where they retrieve the information. And what do the words actually say? Is it true? Or is it a lie? Which brings us to three extremely helpful reminders prominent in today's text. And you know, interestingly, all of them have to do with source, or you might say source material. So Google calls their new tool Genesis. That's the working title at least. However, there's really only one Genesis, one beginning, one reliable source of true truth and wisdom. Three questions. The first one I want you to notice is, who's your source? You believe something today. Many of you have beliefs about everything. The question is, who's your source? Who is the messenger that's informing your heart? You see, folks, Jeremiah 28 is the story of a prophet. This is a man, this prophet is respectable, at least respectable on the outside. In the first verse of our chapter, look at what it says. And it came to pass the same year in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year, and in that fifth month, that Hananiah 
Hananiah, the son of Azer the prophet. Now, wait a minute. Two things stand out already about this man. A, his name is Hananiah. That sure sounds prophety. Right? Jeremiah, Zechariah, Obadiah, Hananiah. He's got the name down. But it also says he's the son of Azer the prophet, so he's got the pedigree. He's the son of a prophet. And that's not all. Verse 1 again, And it came to pass the same year in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year, and in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azar the prophet, which was of Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people. So not only does he look and sound like a bona fide prophet of God, he's got a prophet's mantle in the house of God, surrounded by priests. He's not just Hananiah, he's Dr. Reverend Hananiah the prophet. And here's what he says, verse 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying. This, Hananiah says, is the word of God, the word of the God of the Lord of hosts. Now, I don't know about you folks, but I'm convinced. It's quite a resume. Verse 3. Here's his prophecy. Within two full years will I bring again into this place, that is into Judah, into Jerusalem, all the vessels, that's the Ark of the Covenant, the holy things that are now in Babylon, or will be, all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried them to Babylon. And I will bring again to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah. Two years. All that went to Babylon, saith the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Wow! Awesome! What a promise! What a prophecy! What an uplifting message for us champions. No more captivity. No more Babylon. No more poverty. No more evil. No more being a victim. We're going to be all victors. I love this message. And you know when Hananiah was saying all of these words as this promise, it wasn't far-fetched at all because Egypt in their battle with Nebuchadnezzar was weakening Babylon. It looked like, it looked everywhere like what Hananiah was saying could and would come true. And Hananiah knew that, by the way. There's just one problem. Prominent in that service on that same day was Jeremiah. A faithful prophet. A real prophet. And you may remember that around his neck is a yoke of wood off of an oxen, a big yoke of wood around his neck. God commanded him to wear it as an object lesson to the people. It was symbolizing the captivity of Babylon, not for two years, as Hananiah just promised, but for 70 years. And so Jeremiah looks at Hananiah and he responds to him. It may be the most sarcastic response in all of the Bible. Verse 5, then the prophet Jeremiah said unto the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people that stood in the house of the Lord. Even the prophet Jeremiah said, amen. Nice, nice word, Hananiah. Amen. The Lord do so. The Lord perform thy words which thou hast prophesied to bring again the vessels of the Lord's house and all that is carried away captive from Babylon into this place. 
Amen, he says. In other words, awesome, Hananiah. Actually, it was more like this. Amen, he's got a big thing. Great word. Why am I wearing this? That's a great message. Name it and claim it. But then he says this. Verse 7, nevertheless, hear thou now this word that I speak. Not my words, this word. This word that I speak in thine ears and in the ears of all the people, the prophets that have been before me and before thee of old, prophesied. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Hananiah, guess what? There's a Bible. There's already a word of God. There's already a witness before me and before you concerning this matter. Verse 9, the prophet which prophesied of peace when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord hath truly sent him. Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke from off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and break it. And Hananiah spake in the presence of the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord. Pastor, can, can you imagine the audacity of standing up and saying, Thus saith the Lord, when you know God didn't say this? I'm telling you right now, people are doing it right now in pulpits all across this country. Thus saith the Lord, lying about what God says about immorality and marriage and divorce. The presence of all the people, thus saith the Lord, even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. So goes the battle of the prophets and I have to tell you something, folks, to a lot of people today in churches in this very moment, that's fine. It doesn't matter. Jeremiah says this. Hananiah says that. They're both in the Christian bookstore. Their books are right next to each other. One preacher says this and another preacher says the other. What's the big deal? They're both prophets. Just pick the preacher you're most comfortable with. God uses all kinds he uses all kinds, but he doesn't use all people. In fact, he really only uses one kind of people. Chapter 28, look at verse 12. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet after that Hananiah the prophet had spoken, had broken the yoke from off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord. So this really is coming from God, because God is speaking. Thou hast broken the yokes of wood, but thou shalt make for them yokes of iron. Verse 15, Then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah, the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah. The Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This year thou shalt die, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. You see, folks, hear me carefully. It didn't matter this man's pedigree. It didn't matter his popularity. It didn't matter that he had charisma, credentials, and huge crowds. He had the majority of the people. Jeremiah was the offscouring. That entire time that he was speaking and claiming to speak for God, he was already under the hand of God's judgment. 
Which brings us to the second thing. We said, number one, who's your source? Who is your source? Where do you get your truth, your guidance, your wisdom, your belief, your faith? Number one, who's your source? Number two, you'll notice, is who is their source? What's your source's source? In other words, where did Hananiah get his information? Did he, you know, Hananiah said, thus saith the Lord. Where did he get his information? Well, it may surprise you to know that God already explained to Jeremiah and to the entire nation about where people get their source. I want you to notice on the screen, from chapter 14, you'll see these words. You'll notice in verse 13, it says, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say unto them, You shall not see the sword. Neither shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. Those are your prosperity preachers, by the way. Always promising health and wealth, no matter what. But then he gives four things, four sources in the next verse that apply at this very moment. Notice verse 14. Then the Lord said unto me, the prophets prophesied lies in my name. Remember what Jesus said, many will come in my name, saying? Just because they say, you know, Jesus told me this, or... The Bible says this. Then the Lord said unto me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not. Neither have I commanded them. Neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you. And then he mentions four things. Look at it. A false vision. Divination. A thing of naught. And a deceit of the heart. Pastor, what's a thing of naught? It's very simple. It's, a simply, it's something that they made up. A thing of naught literally means out of nothing or out of thin air. And then it says what? A false vision. And of course, any vision or dream or experience that didn't come from God, it doesn't mean they didn't have the vision. It's just that God didn't send it to them. And God says, no. You may recall that every fake preacher in America, every fake false prophet in this country had one of these false dreams in the last election cycle when they bragged to God, bragged to the people that God told them that Trump was going to win. Hundreds of these people all over America. One famous guy said that he was taken by an angel. He told this to thousands of people. He was taken by an angel to the White House pinnacle where he witnessed and saw the second inauguration. And the crowd went wild. This was before the election. False visions? Yeah, they're everywhere. 600 years ago, the Bible was completed and sealed. But Muhammad claimed he saw a vision of Gabriel who began to reveal more Bible, the Quran. 300 years after the book of Revelation, Constantine claimed that he saw a vision of a cross, a vision, a dream. 1,800 years after, Joseph Smith claimed that he saw a new angel, Moroni. And this angel gave him the golden tablets. And then it was Father Divine. And then Jim Jones and David Koresh and L. Ron Hubbard. In 1884, Ellen G. White had a false vision, and then another one, and then another one. And then 200 visions later, she led the entire Millerites into a whole new cult. Not the Al Miller Millerites. Those are okay Millerites. I'm not talking about those. 
It's possible, like, how do you know? How do you know that all of these people didn't really see something in a vision? Folks, I never saw they didn't see something. They say that they never saw anything. They may have. And that's not what the text says. What the text says is that some people prophesy a false vision. So that whether that vision was real or not to them, it still wasn't from God. The Lord Jesus had a vision in the wilderness. And guess what? It was real. But the message of Satan in the wilderness was not from God. In fact, you may notice the disclaimer there in verse 14. It says, Then the Lord said unto me on your screen, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not. I sent them not. Can I ask you a question? If God doesn't send or command or speak to some prophet or some teacher or some preacher, does it matter what they see in a vision? Does it matter their experience? What amazing thing if God did not send them? You know, every single person in this room has had a dream that was so real, that was so realistic, that it affected you physically and made you think when you woke up. You know, I mean, your heart rate and your... Your sweat, tears, vocals. You woke up. It was so real to you. I had a dream once. I swallowed a giant marshmallow. And when I woke up, my pillow was gone. You've heard that before. (laughs) We've all had those, you know. A real vision. But Pastor Joseph Smith said that his vision came when he was wide awake. I know that's what he said. The question is, who sent the vision? It is never a question of, of, did you actually see something? In 1974, in Fort Lauderdale, I saw with my own eyes this huge, gigantic, orbed thing in the sky. It was circled with lights, and it completely eclipsed my grandmother's guest room window where I was staying. Two in the morning, woke me up, I saw it, shined in my room. I was a Christian in high school. I can remember that it moved me. It moved me so much. I was terrified and inspired. I couldn't sleep. But you know, thankfully, I didn't concoct a new religion that night. Because in the morning, my grandma showed me on the news that the Goodyear blimp had left the Miami Dolphin Stadium and lost altitude right over their canal about 2 in the morning. There went my Jimmy Witness cult. Amen? (laughs) Yeah, the pastor, Daniel had a vision, it was real. John had a vision, Ezekiel had a vision, Peter, he had a vision, Isaiah had a vision, and Abraham had a vision. How do we know those are true? Well, folks, unlike yours, those are recorded in an infallible book. In the infallible and inspired and perfect word of the living God. It says a thing of naught. It says a false vision. Notice the word, a divination. That word describes any kind of contact with the spirit world for information, including supposed angels. I remember years ago hearing one of these teachers claim that an angel came to him. And again, the people eat this stuff up. That an angel came to him and told him to tell his people, his massive church, That on a certain day, the specific day, Angel Awareness Day, I guess, I don't know. But on this day, if they would simply speak 
a word of faith to their wallet, command their wallet, literally say, be full of cash, the miracle would happen, and it would heed their command. So they did. On that day, they literally pulled out their wallets and said, be full of cash, be full of cash. Didn't work. <laughs> be full of credit cards. Amen, that one worked. Really? Really? See, Pastor, that's crazy. No, 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 folks. It's worse than crazy. It is deceitful and it's destructive. Can I remind you this morning that not all false prophets are crazy looking or loony. Hananiah wasn't. He looked like the real deal. Sometimes they appear very dignified and respectful and scholarly and religious. You'll notice on the screen there's a fourth thing. The very last line of verse 14, it says, and the deceit of their hearts. See that? There it is. That is the most popular source of truth for modern society. It's in my heart. I'm following my heart. Or as that great philosopher, Dr. Selena Gomez says, the heart wants what it wants. What's wrong with that? I believe in going with your feelings and you go with your heart no matter what. I've been taught in grade school and high school that, you know, you follow your heart. Okay. Jeffrey Dahmer followed his heart. Adolf Hitler followed his heart. You go to 15-year-old Joseph Stalin and say, hey, Joseph, just follow your heart. He did. And 100 million people died. The deceit of your heart. The Bible says, the, just before this, in chapter 117, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. The first question is, who's your source? The second question is, who's their source? Finally, and most importantly, number three is, who's our source? That is, what does God say, and where does God say that we are to go as his people when there are so many who make the people to trust in a lie. What's our source today? Chapter 30, just turn ahead a couple pages, would you? You'll notice in verse 1, and there's so many texts in Jeremiah we could have turned to. But in chapter 30, you'll notice verse 1, the word. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus, Speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you know that God has given his people a book? God has given his people a book. And do you know, do you remember, do you realize what God says and has said about this book? Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, Jesus said, but my word shall not pass away. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed and is profitable. Hebrews 4, 12, for the word of God is quick, alive, and powerful, and sharper than a two-edged sword. Proverbs 35, every word of God is pure. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Psalm 119, 105, thy Word, thy Word is a lamp 
unto my feet and a light unto my path. Isaiah 40, verse 8, which Peter quoted, says, The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. When the Apostle Peter, quoting those words, he talked about the greatest vision and the greatest experience of all time. Folks, this was the Super Bowl of actual supernatural encounters. After all, Peter is on the top of a mountain with Moses and Elijah and the transfigured Christ. That book will sell in the Christian bookstore. This was a real, bona fide, actual, miraculous encounter with God. And yet, when the Apostle Peter referred to that experience 30 years later, you may remember what he said in 2 Peter 1.19. He basically said, yeah, I was there. That was the real thing. It was awesome. It was amazing. I was there. But then he said this. He said, you have something better than that. You have something greater than my personal mountaintop experience seeing Moses and Elijah and Jesus transfigured. He said, we have a more sure, a more certain, trustworthy word of prophecy. And he identifies that more certain word in the very next verse by calling it, quote, the Scripture. The word of the living God. For the prophecy, Peter said, was not given by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is the word of God. This is your book. We could go on this morning. In fact, we could go on and on and on, quoting Scripture after Scripture. He's exalted His Word above His very name. We could go on all morning. Hearing how God describes His Word, His finished, perfect Word. So then how many times and in how many different ways can God say it to us? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Every word of God? Yes, it's here. Some of you are brokenhearted this morning. I mean, you're, the burdens that you're carrying are heavy. And there are a lot of liars out there, false prophets. And they're throwing out platitudes fake words, false words. I just want to remind you that if you're brokenhearted, if you're bearing a burden, there is nothing out there outside of this book and those who preach and teach this book that will truly eliminate or alleviate that burden. You go to the Bible. Or in many cases in this room, you get back to the Bible. Some of you have to make a, a vital decision. And you need wisdom from God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This church, as I've pastored now for 37 years, this church has had to make one decision after another, after another, after another. And while we don't know, you know, you know reading the Bible when it says, you know, how many feet you're supposed to build the, the bridge over here and across the culvert, and that's not in there. But there's a lot in this book about faith and debt and trust submission and what a church is supposed to do I say we trust the Bible and we keep trusting the Bible 
Thou makest these people to trust in a lie. Can you think of anything more dangerous? Anything more destructive than if you or your children, which are being fed lie after lie after lie after lie in our media, in their schools, Hollywood, is there anything more dangerous than trusting in a lie? Thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy word. This is what Jesus said in his prayer. He's praying to God, Lord, thy word is truth. Sanctify my people, your people, our people through thy word. Our heads are bowed, please, and our eyes are closed for a moment. There are times in a church life, in a believer's life, precisely because, I mean, if you think about Israel and Jeremiah and the prophets and what they were going through, yeah, they would have loved to have heard some fake good news. Hananiah was just the man. And there are times in a church's life and a Christian's life when you just have to get back to where you belong with the supremacy of Scripture. If God did not want His Word to be our guide and our lamp, our instruction, our warning, our food, our daily bread, our sustenance, if He did not want His Word to be that, He wouldn't have said it over and over and over and over again. For some in this room as Christians, it's been days since you've opened the Bible on your own and just read the Word of God. For others, it's really a matter of, well, I don't know. I'm, I like this guy. He speaks and he excites me. And you walk away and say, it's so good, but it's not biblical. It's not Bible. Life is made of choices. You'll be the same person you are today other than the choices you make in the next five years. Those choices are informed by either liars or the Lord. Pastor Blalock, I'm here today and I'm saved. I'm a Christian, but as a believer, as a Christian, I needed this message today as a child of God with heads bowed. Who would say that? Would you lift your hands through the building tonight? That's mine and amen. Praise the Lord. Pastor, this is what I believe about, you mentioned the CDC and transgender. This is what I believe about it. Why don't you be informed by what God says about it and everything else? There are folks in this room that are not saved. If you died today, you wouldn't be in heaven. And one of the main reasons is you believe the lie. Somebody stood up and they contradicted the word of God. They contradicted the words of Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes in the Father but by me. They contradicted it. Maybe you're reading an entire book that was written by someone else other than who, whom God sent. To you, I would say this morning, God wants to save you through the blood of his son, Jesus he wants to save you. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now, He will. You just trust Him and submit. Say, I trust you, Lord Jesus, as my Savior. Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure I'm saved today. And maybe you're at home watching by live stream. I'm not sure I'm a Christian, but I need to be sure. I'd want to be sure. I won't come down and embarrass you, but I'd love to pray for you. Is that you today? Would you raise your hand? I'm not sure about my own salvation. All right. And again, at home, raise your hand where you are. Even if you're alone. We're going to pray in a moment and have a time of invitation. And if God has spoken to your heart, I hope you'll obey his voice. I'll say it again. You go to the scripture for guidance. You go to the scripture for comfort. Because it's true. Here's the thing. It's all truth. All of it. Every word of God is pure. 
You go to the Scripture for, for conviction. And I hope that as individuals, I hope that as this church, we will be as that wonderful reputation was held before that we would be people of the book. As we mentioned on Wednesday night, the Word of God and the God of the Word. Father, bless now the invitation we committed into your hands. We thank you, Lord, for men like Jeremiah in his suffering, in his entire ministry, being rejected but still being true to you and your word. We thank you for those after him and even today and all around us and throughout history, Lord, that have been faithful to you and to your word. May we in this room as your people called by your name do the same. May we recognize that we only have one living and inspired and preserved word of God. May we submit our hearts to it and to you as you have told us to. Bless these of our prayer, Lord, please draw them to you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.